If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Good evening. Uh, four Blades in a uh, house still, but we might get back to the pub next week if we're lucky. But uh, Four Blades in the house, 48 hours on, and in... In a week where there's been lots of bad news going around, it's been nice to have 48 hours after the game to reflect and then tonight get together with friends to pull the bones out of it. And maybe I think football fans could learn a lesson from taking a minute when the team loses and not instantly jumping on uh, on Twitter and, and going down what can only be a really horrible dark alley of negativity and aggression towards fans of their own team. And I think we all should remember that we're still going through a lot as a country, as a as a population. We should maybe just remember, you know, be a bit nicer to each other. Because at the end of the day, we're all blades, aren't we? That's what we say. But talking of blades, I'm joined by three fantastic ones tonight. And I'm joined by you, Philip. Good evening, everyone. And I'm joined by you, Dan. Fucking okay, football. <laughs> and I'm joined by Ian. Good evening, I can't follow that. <laughs> and I'm John. Um, I, um, if you'd asked me at 10 to 8 on Monday night, I also ate football. Um, still not overly keen on it because I absolutely detest losing. But Phil, talk to us about the game. And I think obviously the logical place to start is uh, Watkins and Egan's handbags that led to a red card and then changed the rest of the game, really. Yeah, I just think we'll talk about the game in a bit more detail, but to be up against it after 10 minutes in our first two games has just has, has spoiled what could have been opportunities for us. And, and for me, I said it at the time and I still stand by it, how the referee could know that that was a definite goal-scoring opportunity to, to, to send Egan off. Take out the fact that I think they were both at it, but he can't have known that he was going to A, get to the ball and B, be in a position where he could score from it. It just, it felt wrong at the time and, and it still feels wrong now. There's nothing we can do about it. It just leaves a bit of a shitty taste after what happened after the restart at, at Villa Park as well. So it, it's becoming a bit of an unhappy hunting ground, especially after chucking a three-goal lead away there a couple of years ago. Yeah, um, I, I feel like Villa Park, we've had some, it's, been, it's an interesting place because it, Every game we've had against Villa, like I think in the last five meetings, the first one uh, at Villa Park will have been when we beat them in the Cup. And then we had the game when we went 2-0 down and then Donaldson, of all people, scored two fantastic goals to drag us out the shite. And then obviously we had the 3 all that nonsense last season and now this. And Dan, obviously, you, you spoke quite passionately on Monday to us in our WhatsApp about it. But you of the opinion at the time that Egan basically, although whether it's a red or not, the defending in itself was at fault. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, I, again, discussed it with a couple of people on Twitter and whether whether the ref got it right or wrong, Egan gives him that, that decision to make by making a another poor error of judgment with a, a long straight ball over the top. Um, it's, a, it's a definite, I don't know whether it's an Achilles heel of Egan's or the system, but we get caught out by that ball more often than we should do. I think, did we concede a goal to Newcastle 
yep. like it last season. Yeah, was that the, was that that? Yeah, one of the one of the Newcastle. He got sent off against Newcastle doing the same thing. That's it, yeah, sent off against Newcastle. And then he just, I don't know, I don't know whether he misjudges the flight of the ball or whether he's too eager to get kind of in front of his man and get on the front foot. But there's too many times where he ends up, like I said, running towards his own goal and having to, to wrestle the, the kid to the ground. So, yeah, I was more, I was more pissed off about that, to be honest, than, uh, than anything else. Because it's a, it's a bog straight ball that we should deal with. I, I was just, I, I was kind of, I, I agree, I think. It happens too often. I have to admit, when the commentator said, because I didn't really see him raise the red card, he said he's giving him a red card. And my first reaction, I turned around to family and just went, how can he, what? That's not a red. And he can't have given him a second yellow because it was Lundstrom just got the yellow. I was at, you know, I thought it's a yellow card at worst. And I couldn't understand when they were saying he's been sent off because I didn't really see the ref raise the card on the coverage. And so when they're going to review it, and I'm just wondering, well, there's something badly wrong. Regardless, I just couldn't get I couldn't get my head around how it could be given. But VAR, you know. I mean, we we could talk about VAR all day long, but it can just get to fuck for me. It really can. The <laughs> fact that I mean, Jesus, that with that particular red card, I think could have easily been turned overturned. He could have gone and had a look at it. He didn't, and they were trying their best not to give the penalty. How yeah. many times did they have to review it? It took them, I think it took them three minutes to decide it was a penalty. They even went back to see whether Burke were offside when he broke the lines at the beginning. Yeah. It was almost as if they were trying to find a way not to give it. And I completely agree with Wilder. If Egan can get sent off for just denying a goal-scoring opportunity near the halfway line, how's Matt Target not been sent off? And I know there's the double jeopardy rule, but he's making no attempt at clearing the ball. He shouldn't have been, he should have been sent off. You know, like you say, even if Watkins gets to the ball there, he's still got, he's, you know, he's still 20, 25, 30 yards out with a keeper to be coming in at an angle. Whereas Basham, he's six yards out with an open net almost. Yeah. yeah. I was one a yellow and I was one a red. I agree completely. It's crazy. I think, I think the thing um, with the penalty, well, with how we responded initially, I mean, that to get back, from that blow again, in 10 minutes, we've jeopardised our game again. Not by conceding this time, but by red card. And I thought our attitude after that was excellent. And our application, whilst we didn't, you know, we, we were doing a hell of a lot of defending, the break that led to that penalty opportunity and to put us in that position was everything that's good about the way we can play. Also, I think it's really important to to mention, you, you've got some new players in there. I thought it was very bold to take McGoldrick off to put Ampadu on. He could have crumbled and he played very well. Uh, and also bold on Wilder's um, the arts to go, right, I, McGoldrick can't do that for me out there. I need to go and needs to be solid and go with these two banks of four. And I thought we nullified them. Well, and all the stats, if you look at the stats, yeah, yeah they're going to dominate possession. Not bothered about that. But the shot count looked like they were peppering the goal. All those were like Grealish efforts or Watkins efforts from outside the area or glancing headers that had come in from deep balls from Cash and Target. I actually really pissed off with inside Matty Cash. I thought he looked really good. But that's a story for a different day. Uh, but I actually think United's response was good, but the response couldn't be as good as it wants if you if you respond into a bad situation, can't it? And, and like you say, you've got the opportunity to get back in. 
and I'm going to I'm going to say something I probably didn't and I've reflected on this since everything you've just said there about the delay on that penalty with the constant VAR review plays absolutely into Villa's hands and yeah. I'm not going down the line of I've got a view about who should be taking that penalty well it should have been uh, Berger because yeah. he, he, he ice cold assassin like but, technically the best player we've got so why wouldn't it be him if, if but, yeah, I, I, dis, I disagree just purely on the fact that there's a reason Lundstrom's got it. It must have been decided beforehand. It must, yeah. There must have been a reason why. And I get all the stuff about the contract disputes. Honestly, I, I'm, as a keeper, I'm going to say this, but I just thought it was a good save. It wasn't a bad penalty. It was a nice height, but it was just it, it was a good save. But, but that delay just gets into his head, doesn't it? Yeah, as well? Of course, and that's going to be anybody. Yeah, that's going to be anybody. I'm not, I'm not personalising that at that point, but I just... I, you know, like you say, we, we had an opportunity and VAR contributed. I played a part probably in, in yeah. squandering it. I, I think Lundstrom's a strange choice of penalty taker and nothing to do with the contract situation. Uh, and this is just my personal thing. I don't know if you've, you've kind of seen it, but there's certain players you see that strike a clean ball. Mm. Lundstrom, to me, doesn't strike a clean ball. We've got three or four players on our side, like McBurney. McBurney doesn't strike a clean ball. He, he scuffs a lot of stuff. Norwood strikes a clean ball. Basham doesn't. To me, Lundstrom falls into the doesn't strike a clean ball category. So for just for that, I wouldn't have him on. Even I wouldn't have him on, on penalties, and that's just my my kind of personal preference. Even Ender over over Basham uh, over Lundstrom for me. Ender Ender connects beautifully with the yeah. ball. Yeah. The, the only thing I'm saying is there didn't seem to be any debate amongst the players. No, no. no, no. So there fine. must have been a reason for yeah. it. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I'm guessing. Obviously, I'm guessing if McGoldrick could have stayed on, he would have taken it. If oh, Norwood had started, he would have taken it. So they've yeah. obviously just gone down the right. Your first, your second, your third, your fourth, and we were down to whatever number Lundstrom was with who, were, who was left on the pitch. We, to be fair about the debate among the players, we were too busy watching fifty thousand fucking replays of it. <laughs> That's the is issue. That is the issue with watching football. I remember many years ago, my friend Joe. Uh, before we got a season ticket, Anfield is a cop eye. And he said, honestly, I've been getting to the match more and I couldn't be happier because the whole experience of watching football on the telly in the in the sort of relentless, you know, oh, it was a bad decision. So you're gonna now see it 50 times, etc. etc. It just it, your anxiety goes up, your stress levels go up, and it's just not as good an experience. We were there at the time. Yeah, it might have seemed a long time, but again, you would have, we would have seen players discussing maybe they've gone over to Wilder or something. We didn't see any of that. We saw the blatant foul that Target commits from every angle on the planet. They even did like the speeding up of, of Burke and Lundstrom, like Burke and Lundstrom in the build-up to the goal. Uh, not the goal, the penalty were outstanding. Like Lundstrom's driving runs, they are, we've got nobody else who can do that. And it's a great ball from Burke. It's it's an absolute peach of a ball. For a player that we're told he's not technically strong. Mm. I, I thought Burke played really well, actually. I think he, he can... Yeah. I know we debated it on here, and, and I think you can see the reasoning why Wilder's gone for someone like that if we're going to play a slightly different way with his pace. I think it, what he gives you that Moose doesn't is that what we saw there. And a bit more dare I say, I'm sorry, Dan, you might... Well, you're not in the pub, so you can't punch me for being nasty to moves. But you're not going to get the going down if anyone tackles him for 10 minutes. It's going to be a bit more physical. He's going to be a lot more yeah. than Moose is. Um, no, I mean, I, I was sceptical about him as a signing. 
Um, having seen what I saw the other day, so far so good, really, is, is all you can say. Well, I think uh, I want to say about Burke, and I, I think, I hope you'd all agree, and I think a lot of people are listening, if they don't, when I say it, maybe you'll think something differently about it. We're going to get as high on Burke after that one performance against a very poor Villa team. We shouldn't get as low on some of the players we know can play at a higher level and in, in the same breath. So we're all like, oh, Burke did this, did, did that, but then it's not like, oh, Ender's, Ender's done all of a sudden, or... You know, Egan's this, or oh, well, no one's done, or you know, so and so. And I, I feel like the extremes we might get excited about. You know, Amkadu's Burke have come in and done well, and like Logan in the Burnley game had a good game, Bogle had a good game. Let's remember how good the players we've had for a while can play as well. Because I think Again, I, I understand, I do, I get where you're coming from. I just that whilst there's even after the Wolves game and the Villa games added to it, I know we've lost them both. There are positive signs there. There are. There, there are things that we've done well. We've showed a lot of character and we've shown um, we can do things a little bit different. And it's glaringly obvious that we need a spark from somewhere. Mm. But there are worrying signs. There are some players that are worrying me. And I'd go further than... I mean, Egan's obviously one of them. Defensively, we look weak at the moment. There are things to be concerned about. One of the things that we've talked about is... Uh, Ramsdale, and I don't doubt Ramsdale's a good goalkeeper, but I don't think I've ever seen a goalkeeper seem to be so slow on his feet across the goal. And I'm not blaming him for the goal, by the way. Other people may disagree. I don't think he could save that. I don't think 10 keepers would have saved that because where it was and where he was positioned before uh, Conza headed it. But he does seem very slow to react across his goal, and that's worrying. I, I said, I, I think I commented on the group, it, it's like it feels watching him like he's watching it on the same stream we are, but the match is happening at full speed in front of him. So he's a second or two behind in his reactions. And that that's just how I perceive when I watch him. But I think as well, there's, there's, a, there's a distinct difference here. And the distinct difference is comparing Dean, him to Dean Anderson, no. Criticising him when he does things that cause you concern, yeah. Like Ramsdale, Ramsdale with a cross, it's like, I don't know, someone's dropped PlayStation pad sometimes. He's all a bit hurried. Even when he's done a dive and he goes to collect the ball, he looks very excitable. And I imagine some of that's nerves and things like that. He's used to playing in the Premier League. For me, it's the, it's the same. It's exactly the same as Phil says. He, 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 I don't know if he doesn't sort his feet out quick enough. And he's kind of, because he seems to, he appears to, he appears to dive up rather than dive across. So if he's going for if something in the corner, he's kind of going up and then his momentum's taking him back down to the corner rather than going full stretch into the corner. I'd liken it the other day to, he floats like a, a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade balloon when he's kind of going for a shot in the corner. It's <laughs> no kind of, he doesn't seem to go full stretches. I don't know. So whether, I mean, whether that's something Darren Ward's going to work on, work on, you know, some ladder work for his feet or something. Yeah, it's not even know. as if it can be something to do with sharpness, I don't think, because he's played all the way through, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's a strange one. It, it, it does seem to be a footwork thing, I think, but I've every confidence he'll come through and be a great goalkeeper, so I'm not going to get too down on him. Like, to I'm, the point I'm fairly made. sure I'm fairly sure that United, obviously, we had him as a kid, then he went away, we'll have scouted him heavily. If he had such a, a blatant technical flaw in his game, we wouldn't have spent 
a massive part of our budget, whatever it is, 10, 15 million on him. If, if he had such a, a Mark Bonesque technical flaw, we wouldn't have spent that much money on him. Yeah, it's, and I also think a lot of this and a lot of this conversation comes down to we're watching it through the same lens, all of us. We're not in the ground. It's very much an instant reaction to everything. I mean, we're talking about it 48 hours on. I think we've been a lot measured. If we'd done this at 8 o'clock on Monday, it just turned into a really angry rant from us all. Um, and I, th I think what... Well... So what I want to cycle back to a little bit is uh, when Phil said there's been some encouraging signs. So let's talk about some of those in terms of our performance against Phil. And the, for me, the man of the match standout player was Jack O'Connell. He was absolutely magnificent. There was a glancing header where he was where he was he was pedalling back and he glanced it round the post that if Van Dyke had done, they'd be mopping up the studios at match at day because everyone would have got that excited. It was phenomenal. And I just thought Jack, that was Jack at his very best, you know, thou shall not pass, organising. I thought he was I thought he was brilliant. Yeah, I thought Connor was really good as well. I thought yeah, um, he didn't he didn't always do as much as he could with the ball at his feet, but I think that was more down to circumstance of what was in front of him than him necessarily doing anything wrong. Other other positives, Sander Berger looked outstanding. He Some of the times match, where he yeah. just he, he moves his body shape a little bit and turns away from people into space. It's just it's brilliant to watch. I'd love to see him playing alongside Norwood rather than instead of him. There must be something in that. He was um he was going past as well. People like Grealish, McGinn. These are like remember when McGinn was linked with Man United this time last year. Like these are top Premier League players. Um and you touched on Norwood. We're just a better team when he plays. Um, yeah, full stop. I mean, the, the ironic thing is, obviously, if you're down to 10 men and you need to retain the ball, you know, you're going to have the ball less than you would 11 versus 11. So the one person you want on the pitch is the guy who retains the ball better than anyone else. And, and it would have been, it would have suited Norwood and probably suited us to have him in there. Get more accurate. Out ball, um, in, what he's very... He's very good at dictating the pace. I know people sometimes have said he slows it down, but in a game like that, you almost needed him to slow it down a little bit. Um, but other positives, I, th I thought, again, I thought Baldock was pretty good. I thought particularly defensively, Baldock was good. Um, I know what people are saying about Ender, that he was better than he was against, than he was against Wolves. Flex. I didn't think Stevens had a bad game. I thought he were okay. Yeah, I didn't think. But people, it's the new, it's the new like trendy thing. Oh, Low played well against Burnley, so let's get Low in. And so, and I, I think I, I think it's really important that we. And I've said this before about some of these players, and one I'm going to go on to talk about in a second in Fleck is we, I, they deserve the chance to get it right, and Fleck's one of them. However, Ben Osborne is breathing down his neck because Osborne gave us a lovely hit of energy for the last 25 minutes. I, I thought, anyway, I thought against Burnley he was a ghost, Osborne, but against Villa when he came on, I thought he, he did really well. I thought Fleck was really quiet first half against uh, Wolves as well. We, talk, we talked about that at the time, didn't we? Mm. And we, we seemed to change our, um, not so much the formation, but just, just tweaked it. And, and, and he, yeah, exactly. And he came into it second half, but he he was really quiet, wasn't he? Villa game really quiet. If if you think, and it comes back to the point, if we can 
we might we'll come on to talk about Leeds and potentially who, what the team might would like the team to look like. But if you can put, like you say, Nova dictating Berger and Fleck, if we can get Fleck released and, and going past men, you've got two players there who can who are not afraid to tackle. Berger's impressed me with his work rate and his tackle, as well as that, like you say, that ability, that ability to go past players. That's what we're lacking at the minute. If we had that on both sides, we do start to open teams up. And you've, if you've got someone like a Burke making those kind of runs in behind, um, using his pace, then we've got we have got something different. Who you play Burke with? That's a different question. But. The the other thing I, I was thinking, and and it's I'm not saying we need to chuck think chuck the uh, what's worked so well for us out the window after two games of a new season. But do you think it could be a time to go back to a, a four at the back, four in midfield thing? Because we did look solid at the back with four there. And if we'd have had somebody up with Burke playing the way we were, we might have had a bit more joy. Is it something that we could look at? Have we got the players to play a four in midfield? Because then two of them are going to have to play wide and give us width. Do we have... Because obviously well, you can't have your fullbacks bombing on as much if you've only got two centre-halves in there. Like your Lundstrom would be your wide ones, wouldn't they? Mm, that's, what we, that's what we played, effectively. We played 4-4-1, didn't we? Yeah. You've, you've also got the option with Ampadu to push Baldock forward if you needed to as well. We talked about his delivery and that would be the issue with that. But you have got the ability to shuffle it across the back four. And, yeah. and Ampadu gives us some flexibility there. I think I think what we do tactically depend. I think that's more for a game uh, where we need to be solid. Now, I think we do need to be relatively solid against Leeds. But I think we also need to be able to and we'll go on to talk about that. It's, it's going into the next section too much. But in terms of other other, uh, like I think Bert, I do I do think Bert did well, but I think Ampadu looked very very good. Uh, and I got a bit of criticism for this on Twitter, but I think I can see him ending up in the starting eleven very very quickly and playing. Lost the ball a couple of times, eh? Lost, got over enthusiastic. Lost the ball a couple of times and, and could have dropped us in it. But like you say, I suppose you can forgive him that because he's a a young lad making his debut, but as, as a defender, yeah, he did well. For who, John? I think, well, you know what I think it'll be for. I think it'll be for You Bash. think he takes Bash's play? Yeah, I do. So, uh, so we got a penalty on uh, Monday night from Basham heading the ball on the edge of his own six-yard box out to Burke. Mm-hmm. And then the moved for, fast forward 10 seconds or whatever it was, and he's getting tripped in the other six-yard box. Is Ampadu going to offer that? That would be the question. Um, and maybe he could learn it. I don't know. I don't. I, I genuinely don't know. Uh, I just. I just. That's where I see. I don't see him. He certainly won't drop O'Connell. Um, I think obviously Ampadu plays maybe in the middle, unless he unless he does go for Jagielka to just old man. Um, old man Bamford, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But I see, we'll see. I just, I just see him playing a lot. I, I think for me, having had time to to think about it, there's a lot, there's things to worry about. I get that there are things that aren't as they should be, but I think I've seen enough to say that the second half against Wolves, flick shot goes in off the post. We're back at two one. You never know. We might get a point out of that. And I think against Villa, having missed a penalty with 10 men to put us in front and have something to, to properly defend and 
and try and catch them, they, they've got a risk then, more risk to take. I think the, the performance generally was good under circumstances. Yes, there are faults. Yes, there are things that go wrong. I think you made a, a good point down in the week that is it, you know, we've had players playing above themselves for a lot of last season. And are we, are we seeing a, that regression you talked about? Back to the mean, back to their, their average. Yeah, possibly. And then that would, that would kind of stand, stand to the point that we possibly should have, or I mean, we might still, because there's still a week and a half left, but we've not actually strengthened the first 11, have we? First 11, that, that first 11, even taking Egan's sending off aside, is weaker than, than, what was, than what finished the end of last season. Ramsdale, as things stand, probably isn't as good a keeper as Henderson. And Burke isn't as good a striker as Moose at the minute. So they're the only two, two real changes. Or, oh, sorry, Burke's not as good as Moose or McBurney, probably. So the first 11 is, is weaker than it was last season. So, yeah, possibly we are seeing a bit of a some of those players who've been playing above themselves just regressing to the mean, which means we need to uh, we need to keep constantly strengthening. Totally agree. And we can talk about that a bit um, in the next section. Hey, trainers, John. What these? No, mate, I've had them for years. Just got them back from being clean. Look really good, don't they? Yeah, really? Is that a thing? Honestly, they look new, mate. They look class. Yeah, it's a thing. Really reasonable, too. Adam Dunn at this place called Glistening Kicks. They're in Sheffield. Fe- fellas are blade, too. Oh, nice one. That saves buying new ones, doesn't it? How do I find them? I've got a few pairs I need looking at myself. Absolutely. Save, save me as someone who's got a bit of a trader for Hedge. An absolute fortune. You can get them on social media like most things these days. On Twitter at Glistening Kicks and Instagram at Glistening underscore Kicks, or they have a website www.glisteningkicks.co.uk. Give them a shout. The process is dead easy. They collect them safely and then drop them back off with you. And if you take them round yourself, that process could be even quicker. Um, they look, feel, and smell like new. And it's I'm, I'm absolutely chuffed, and I'm already looking at what pairs I'm going to take down um, next to have him look out for us. Nice one. Cheers for that. I'm going to get on to them straight away. What was their industry again? At glistening underscore kicks. That's the one. Really good service and I couldn't recommend it enough to any blades. Brilliant. Nice one. All the blades. So, uh, welcome back to part two. Uh, as as you know, forty eight hours from now, you'll know whether we've beat Leeds or not on uh, on Sunday. So um, let's uh, let's see how we get on this weekend. John, where do you reckon we'll go? I don't know. We're forty eight hours or seventy two. I don't know what day it is. Everybody, we're recording this on Thursday. Apparently, time has no meaning on this pod tonight. Yeah, um, I don't think we we'll do against Leeds. I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I think a lot depends on what happens in the first 10 minutes of the game. Keep uh, going on the first <laughs> two games. But no, in all serious, well, under three, right? did all right against Burnley in the first 10 minutes. I think we will see some changes. I think there'll be one potentially like player everyone's like, oh, he's dropped so-and-so. I think that might be like, um, we'll see. But I think that m- means that we're not as balanced. 
I, th I think it's going to be a tough game. I think we might actually score a goal in the Premier League on Sunday. So that's a, that's a definitely something to happen because they are gamming. Can, can I just say, John, I think if we drop Fleck, you might be surprised who replaces him. Because I'm assuming you're thinking that'll be Osborne, right? No. Okay, go on. Very. Very. <laughs> Well, I've just done a little team here on Excel. I've, I've done a team on Excel which addresses the issue. Let me share my screen. So, go on then, Phil. Who do you think, who do you think replaces Fleck then? Well, I would think... Uh, I've not replaced Fleck. Shit, I've, I've, I've done a different formation. <laughs> so, you've left Fleck in for that team where you think Fleck will come out? Yeah. <laughs> right. I think if he puts... Tired. It wouldn't surprise me if he drops Fleck out that he puts Norwood back in and plays Lundstrom on the left like he has done before. Mm. Okay. Right. And, and what? Leaves Berger at the, the base right and puts Norwood on the right? Or either Norwood or. at the base and Berger on the right? Either right. or. Just who, who, who are we saying is taking Egan's place? It's got to be Ampadu, right? I would. Unless it's got to be Ampadu. Yeah. As, as, much as, he's, as much as he's an 18-year-old with five minutes of Senior football behind him. Club football, sorry. If Jagielka started on Sunday for me, I'd be, I'd be nervous. I'll be honest. Me too. Do you he, think? He looked towards the end of last season in the games that he played. Obviously, when Egan missed out, that he was. I'm not saying his legs had gone, but or I, I mean, I, I am saying it, his legs had gone, and he ain't gonna get any quicker over the last kind of two months, is he? So. He didn't look much uh, up to much against Burnley last week as well. I don't know if you saw any of that game, but it Costa's the goal. Struggling. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Costa's a goal, got a booking through a late tackle that he probably would have reached previously. Yeah. Um, like you say, I'd just be very worried. Starting the game with Jagielka would concern me. Especially against Leeds, who are a very kind of high tempo, in your face, all action side. Mm. I think we need we need as much as much like you say, as much energy as possible in the side, really. I think as well we're going to see potentially like a very different. Hopefully, we see a bit more aggression from the start from United in the game. I think a lot as we have to put them on the back foot a little bit. They'll want to come and the commentators will be going wild about this like open attacking lead side. But these are who are the players? Is it only the is it Costa who they got from Wolves? Is the only attacking player that? Depends if they play Rodrigo, but like Bamford, etc. We can deal with these players. Our defenders can. We just, I, I honestly think if we, we need to put the game on to Leeds a little bit. I don't know what you three think. hundred percent. They concede goals. You can see that. Yeah, they've conceded six goals already. They've, they've got a back four Seven. that's getting to know each other, and it shows. Massive cock in the middle. <laughs> he is tall. He went going back to a couple of years ago. Is it why they signed Jeremy Kevlick? <laughs> no, they've re-signed Janssen. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. I, th I think I think Lundstrom needs to stay in for his for his energy, like you said, for the, for the legs, for up and down. Um, I would imagine up top, I think Burke will definitely stay in because obviously Leeds play with a notoriously high line, so Burke's pace over the top, and I would imagine McBurney will come in alongside him. And we'll look possibly for that sort of McBurney onto Burke over the top combination. That mean we go a bit more direct? 
Possibly. Well, I mean, like, like we're saying, I can't remember if we said it before we'd started recording or not about no uh, Bernie's aerial wins. You know, mm -hmm. won the most aerial duels from week one, and was up there for week two, considering he only played 15, 20 minutes. So, yeah, possibly a bit, like I said, a bit longer. McBurney flicking on for Burke. Again, and possibly for Lundstrom running through as well. I think the thing for me is, like we, we touched on before, if Fleck plays, we've got to work it out to release Fleck, like we did against Wolves, you know, and, and put Leeds on the back foot. If, like, if we've got out, if we've got the flick on to Burke, and we've got we've got our midfielders surging on, then they've got problems. Do you think there's a danger that we might go the know. opposite way based on the fact that we've played two and lost two and, and start the game quite cautiously, which I think could be a bit of a mistake as well, based on the way Leeds play. But it wouldn't fit Brothers. It wouldn't fit Tufty's mentality and how he plays. Is it? He's not normally a a back foot type of guy, I would imagine. I would imagine he'll go the other way. He'll not go, you know, gung-ho balls out in the first 10 minutes, but I would imagine he'll want to he'll want to pen them back as much as possible. Not want to let them get a foothold in the game. Uh, to me, it's, and it's how our players react to that. Because after the first 10 or 12 minutes, like you say, in both games, we've shown a degree of nervousness, uh, uh, slightly off our game. If it goes to a third game of that, then I will start to worry a bit. That's the thing. It's it's all of a sudden. It's a huge game, isn't it? The fact that we yeah, lost two all yeah. today. Yeah. The fact it's yeah. Leeds. The fact that we've got. I, I don't know. Is it Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, Arsenal coming or something like that? Yeah. It's with Fulham yeah, dotted in there. You've got, you got Fulham in there, but yeah, after, after Sunday, four out of the next five are like you say: Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Man City. So you can't you can't budget for anything coming out of them four games, can you? Really. Arsenal, Chelsea, who we didn't lose to last season. Like, I'm, I, I, and I know the different beasts. Avert's got hat-trick than he last yeah. night, I think. But I just I just think Sunday's pivotal for a lot of reasons. And we will, as we did last season, pick up points where we're not expecting to in that run of games. I really hope. That's me trying to be optimistic. Leeds at home, after the nonsense that happened last when we got promoted after all the hyperbole around the way they play and the sort of what can only be described as some form of mild sex party around the interest in, in Bielsa was always going to be a big game. And it's a local derby. We didn't have one last season. Um, I just think there's added pressure. And sometimes this Wilder team, when the, when the walls are closing in on them, they come out with a performance and it, it blows everything out of the water. And I really hope on Sunday it's one of them. I'm not confident it will be, but going on what happens with this group of players when there's backs against the wall, we, we find one, and I really hope we do on Sunday. Need it. I hope massively. So what's your prediction, John? I think United win the game 2-1. And we go down, we go, we yeah. go one nil down in a very silly way again, but we come back and actually win. Uh, high scoring draw three apiece. Don't know whether my nerves will cope with that. Anyone that knows <laughs> anyone that knows me knows I'm a really optimistic United fan. I'm at the best of times. I'm usually quite positive, but I honestly think we'll lose on Sunday. Um I think 
head says we're going to lose 2-1. Hart wants us to win 2-1. And my other prediction is that Bielsa finds a use for that bucket to mock up all the circle jerk from all the media around him. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for that image, but I'm sick of hearing about Leeds already. It's always going to happen. But, yeah. It, so let's hope we do mean that when people are talking about Leeds on Sunday and talk about how they... Uh, how they come back from losing the first big game of the season against the local rivals. And the fact that they've shipped seven goals in two games, let's hope we can make it ten. Welcome back everyone to part three. Um, we just wanted to have a few minutes um, talking about the, the current transfer policy and, and whether we think we'll get anyone in and what the, what the kind of areas are where we need to strengthen and whether we've got things right so far. So what's, um, I mean, this was sparked by, by uh, a mate of mine who sits just behind me on the cop, Steph, um, who's quite a pessimistic bloke at the minute, quite a pessimistic guy. And he's made a comment today about I think he thinks we've got the transfer policy the wrong way around. So rather than plugging one of the most glaring holes in the team at the end of last season, which was a striker, you know, some creative force up front, we've spent a big chunk of our budget on two reserve fullbacks. And, and now we're, we seem to be coppering up with 10, minute, 10, 10 days of transfer winning to go for a striker. So I just wonder what everyone else's thoughts were on, uh, on whether we've got it right or not. I think all of us were kind of quite happy with the business we'd done up until the start of the season. And then all of a sudden we've started the season and we're two games in, three games in now. We've still not got a striker. But not interesting that neither of the two fullbacks we signed are even in the squad for the league games at the moment. So, yeah, yeah it, I'd be very worried if we don't, if we get to the transfer end of the transfer window without signing a striker, I'd be gobsmacked, but I'd be very worried. I, th- I think if I think if we don't, I think we are in trouble. I think if we do, if we don't have, I mean, I even think with the two lads we've been linked with, it's a it's a lot of expectation for two, you know, an eighteen year old and a twenty year old or whatever to come in and get enough goals to to obviously push us up the table. But without them, I, I think it's uh, it, it looks bleak's probably too strong a word, but I'd be, I'd be concerned. And and I think you're right. You, I think you made a comment before, Dan, before we came on air about, you know, should you keep hold of Freeman for 12 months and not play 90% of the games, but be there as backup, not sign the two full-backs, and you've got some cash then to, to use, and we're not, we're not feeling like we are scrabbling around for money or we're being pushed on a fee that we're uncomfortable with now. And, you know, it's hard. We, we, I think you're going to end up paying an amount that we think is... He's high for a player from Arsenal potentially who hasn't played a league game yet. Now, Arsenal fans I've seen rated him higher than Enketia, but that's at a different level of football. Um, We've been on journeyman today as well, haven't we? Have we? Mm. Have we? Oh, the, the kid from Spain? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right, Ian, the, the Arsenal fans really rate is it. Is it Balogun? Uh, Balogun, the, yeah. The, they really rate him, but if we cast our minds back, <clears throat> excuse me, we had Ben Woodburn on loan two seasons ago, and he was he was supposed to be the the next Ian Rush to come out of Liverpool, 
and it was a million miles away from the standard we want. I'm not well, saying that, that either Balladon or Brewster are, but it's a gamble to be putting all your eggs in a, a 19-year-old's basket, isn't it? Michael Twist was highly rated at Old Trafford. The Brewster one's interesting. Uh, not that he, not comparison you've just made there, Dan, because not that he scored as many as Brewster did in a short spell on loan, but look at Solanke yeah. for Bournemouth. Yeah. Like Solanke for a long time was talked about. You know, he's playing England under 21, scoring the odd international goals, really highly rated. Uh, he was passed around Chelsea to Liverpool, maybe before, or Liverpool to Chelsea before. Yeah, came, yeah. It was a good team at Chelsea and Liverpool. Yeah, went to Liverpool. And then yeah. just didn't do it for Bournemouth. Now, I actually would, little, it's not, I think Solanke will probably score goals in the Championship for Bournemouth. But it's a big risk. And then you have to go again in January. I don't know. I've, I've, I've talked in the past, I mean, I very passionately about we should maybe think about spending what resources we have on experience. Uh, Deeney is still, Deeney is still available. Um, he would have scored against Villa, wouldn't he? I'm, uh, sure, I'm not sure Deeney's what we need. I, I, most of it, I fancied Deeney at the end of last season, but Deeney's not creative, is he? He's a, he's a battering ram. I think we possibly need a bit of a bit of creativity. I saw um, one of the journalists that followed that covers United today. I think suggesting um, Daniel Sturridge, who I think is a free agent at the minute. If we can't get Brewster or Balogun over the line, would he be one that's worth looking at? Sturridge on four. He's a free is, agent. He's a phenomenal player. When he was in the SAS, he was unbelievable. He's not done it now for a few seasons. It's one of those, it's a gamble, but it's a, a cheaper gamble. But he is made of biscuits as well. Mm. Yeah. So we can... It can, it can keep Moose company then. You take that back. <laughs> I think it's interesting. I, I it's, just I think it, I find it baffling we haven't got the strike in yet. When it's glaringly obvious that I think as well ahead of the game on Sunday, recording this Thursday night, if we announce somebody on Friday, I think that's an excellent way of getting some positive momentum ahead of the game. But as long, the longer it goes on that we're struggling to score and we're looking down on the luck and stuff, we've become a slightly less exciting proposition that we maybe were before balls kicked as well. Mm. When's the window shut? Is it next Tenth, Wednesday? It? Something like that. 10th of October. Yeah, right. October. Oh, right. Beginning of October, sorry. Right, OK. But even so, we don't want to be getting to... By then, Leeds will have gone, Fulham will have gone. We'll be into that run of Chelsea, Arsenal, City, Liverpool. Yeah. We need to we need to start getting some points on the board pretty quickly. Yeah. And the longer it goes on, it is starting to get quite worrying. We already know that we're up against it a bit because we're not there backing them up and, and cheering them on. Yeah. But also to be, I don't know, potentially a quarter of the way through the season on single-figure points could pose a really big problem. We'll have to, I guess, just wait and see what the next week and a bit brings and hope it gives us some renewed hope.
welcome back uh, to part four. And uh, in we thought we'd have a quiz this week. And in my attempt at perfectly judging the mood of the camp um, as we record this pod, um, I'm taking us back the best part of 28 years, over 28 years, uh, to the 26th of April 1992. And we've set a quiz on Sporkle. Uh, which you'll see the the link we've tweeted out. Feel free to share it with your fellow Blades and, and have a go and let us know how you go on. Uh, where we were, I was testing you to name the 26 players, 11 and two subs for each team, uh, of the match between Sheffield United and Leeds when uh, Brian Gale lobbed the sadly departed Mel Reese uh, with a perfectly judged knee and... Uh, gave Leeds the title so yeah happy days brilliant I'm, I'm glad it's probably rounded off the mood of this pod <laughs> perfectly yeah so um so the, the the task was to name the 26 players I'll probably touch a little bit on the game it's probably worth I mean I know I was there John you 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 born yeah you were born you were just very little weren't you six <laughs> six yeah I mean um it was one of those days where I, we were competitive, and you'd always think we uh, matches like that, the kind of games we lifted ourselves for against those teams at the top, and we'd done it, you know, for the previous couple of seasons up there. Um, but everything that could go wrong, it's a bit like the story of what we've been talking about. We had a, yeah. you know, everything that could go wrong went wrong that day. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I was there. Um, I, I think, did we did we equalise? We equalised him. We made it too old, didn't we? Pembo... Uh, yeah, so so it'd gone. They'd gone one up. Um, yeah, with a with a a bit of a, a an absolute shambolic goal. Where this is the one where it basically flew off Rod Wallace's shin, didn't it? After having taken about four deflections and flew in. Yeah, Pembo so, tried to tip it over the bar on the line. Yeah, it was an absolute. It was one of these where you've got Beasley running back with Rod Wallace chasing a through, but quick free kick, and uh, Rod Wallace falls over Mel Reese. Paul Beasley stands on Mel Reese, taking Mel Reese out basically for the rest of the game. Yep. Pemberton and Gale virtually collide in the middle as the loose ball comes. Gale slams it against Gary Speed. It skews to the well to the right across goal, hits Rod Wallace and goes into the empty net. Yeah. It, it was absolute farcical. Yeah, I remember. To start it. with. And then um, Alan Cork equalises. Yep. And I still can't get over watching back the video of that goal and thinking, Christ, I'm 12 years older than Alan Court was that day. <laughs> Does make me feel better about my hairline, though. Um, I think you look wonderful tonight, Ian, if you don't mind me saying. You've had a fresh shave since I saw you on Saturday morning and you, yeah, took years off. Exactly. That skin fade? <laughs> Not quite. Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah, moving on from Taylor Taylor. Every three weeks, go from there. Um, so, um, and then Newsom equalised. with a Again, because Reese couldn't reach the free kick, could he? They floated a yeah. free kick over, and Reese was obviously, he had the big strapping on his leg, and Newsom just kind of nods it in at the back post. I, I, I like the, one of the lead website descriptions of that as a perfectly flighted free kick to evade Reese. Mel could barely get off the floor. And let's be fair, if you're aiming at John Newsom's face, you've got a lot to go at because his fucking head's <laughs> massive. His, fuck, his fucking jaw's enormous, isn't it? Yeah. And then we equalised 
Pemberton finds himself on, uh, on the left side at back post, skews it back across, goes in off Lee Chapman, which is always sweet. Yeah, that's always uh, good. Sweet moment for us watching Lee Chapman suffer at that, that era as well. I absolutely hated Lee Chapman. The fact, that he went home and, the fact that he went home and saw Leslie Ash naked every night made it even worse. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, but for a certain generation of more of her naked at that point, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> just, just for the younger listeners, don't go Googling Leslie Ash now. Yeah, Google, if, you, if, you, if you're under 30, Google, Ash, Google Leslie Ash without the trout power. Uh, Quadrophenia and men behaving badly for points of reference. And then it was the, the farcical winner we talked about. So anyway, should we get on to the any other memories of that day before we go on to the, the results of the quiz? I was probably playing. Yeah, I wasn't there. I was still down south at that point. You so. still down south. John Pemberton was playing in a gum shield, as I remember. Is that right? I'm fairly sure if you see him when he celebrates, when he runs off, he's got a gum shield in. I wonder what that came from then. I'm not sure. Maybe he just had really nice teeth. Wanted to keep them that way. <laughs> Fair play. He was, he was always a player who was proud of his appearance. I was probably playing with some toys and football was something I did in the garden occasionally and life was a lot simpler back then. Well, my abiding memory of that game is obviously is Brian Gale's own goal where he manages to tee himself up, nod it over Mel Reese. I like to say a previously incapacitated Mel Reese. And then as the temerity to kind of look at Mel Reese like, well, what the fuck have you done there, mate? And you think, hang on, Brian, I'm a centre-half and even I could... I'd have struggled to blame Phil for that, I'll be honest. You still fucking would have done that. I'd, still, I'd, I'd have had a go, <laughs> fair enough, but I think you'd have told me to fuck off. <laughs> so yeah, I suppose the only other thing about that game is it was Mel Reese's last game, wasn't it, sadly? Yeah, it would have been, yeah. yeah. And, and, and we, little did we know at the time, and what an impact he'd made in those games that season. When we touched on this before, the Everton away for me was tremendous. Liverpool home, in two standout games I remember that period. And like I say, at the start, we were turning over good teams at that point. So actually facing Leeds going for the, you know, for the title on the, on the last afternoon of the season didn't really hold any fear at that point. No, no. No, we certainly, we certainly went into these these games against the big sides. I always fancied as a lane. That's the, in, in them days, whoever, whoever it was, Arsenal, Man U, Liverpool, I always fancied us against anyone at the lane. And I still do to a certain extent, but under Bassett, definitely. So, coming on to the results then, um, I think it's interesting because there's, there's players, when I went through this and, and set it up, and there is a typo, which I'll try and correct on the, the quiz online because I was trying to type it out quickly. And I'm, I am... Uh, typing dyslexic, um, as my colleagues at work know. Um, I thought there were some players in there that surprised me. A couple of the subs surprised me for each team. Um, players that you probably would have thought might have been starters at that time. Um, but how many, did you, how many did you score, Phil? Well, I'm, um, I'm, I was actually quite impressed with the fact that I managed to score four because I read the question completely wrong. After <laughs> typing in Keith Edwards five times and realising it wasn't going to go in because he'd played for both clubs, I realised I'd read the question wrong and chucked my toys out of Bram and stopped doing it at that point. But I, I managed I just... to get Pemberton, Beasley, Dean and Speed because they did both play for both clubs and played in that game. I, I had visions of you sat at home going, Bruno Ribeiro, 
No, I'm fucking telling you, Bruno Ribeiro. Bruno fucking Ribeiro. And arguing with Sporkle because it won't it won't let you have Bruno Ribeiro. Who, Pretty who much. Player, who were the one we signed under uh, Blackwell from Plymouth that had been at Leeds and then never played for us? Oh, he did his crucial ligaments, didn't he? In training, Simon um, Walton. Simon Walton. Simon Walton. So yeah, for for those listening, I read it completely wrong. I read it that it were players that had played for both clubs. I was really busy at work at the time, trying to do it in between phone calls, and uh, yeah, but I still managed to get four. So so moving on, the the the, the boy who was sixth at the time. <laughs> How many did he get? I got any more than four, John. <laughs> any more than four? I got I got twenty because I. Obviously, you lot speak very, very, very fondly about that time. Um, and obviously, we've interviewed some of them. The, let me get the quiz up. It's loading now. Oh, it's not got me score. That's disappeared. I, I got most of the Bayes players, apart from one. Cowan? Oh, Tommy Cowan. Yeah, Tommy Cowan, Cowan yeah. Oh, I, know, I, didn't, I didn't get Tom Cowan, um, but I got all that. And then, obviously, that Leeds team... Remember, it, you know, Strachan, Cantona, etc. So, I'd, Tony DeRigo, I remember I had a Corinthian figure of him, and I don't ever remember him playing, but I, I, I knew he was from that lead side. So, I did all right. I did all right, you know. I, I stumbled through it. Don't have the memories of the game like you three, though. The trouble is, usually with Corinthian figures, though, there's a great danger you got Tony DeRigo, but you're wondering when Linda Lusardi played for Leeds. <laughs> John doesn't know Linda Lusani. No, so no, no. Also, early nineties reference. This is same time as you're googling Leslie Ash. <laughs> Sorry, my dad's contributing to the podcast currently. Even though he knows who Linda Lusani is. Steve, do you know who Linda Lusani is? Oh, out of the people in the back, Steve. <laughs> I'm muting it. Brilliant. Oh, that was a great noise. <laughs> John's now muted himself. <laughs> so, Dan, how many did you get? But the ironic thing is, of the two lead substitutes, I got the one who, up until a couple of years ago, was working in fucking Thomas Cook in Meadow Hall. I didn't get the one who went on to be one of the Premier League's greatest ever players and win multiple titles in Man United. I mean, fucking hell. Did you book a holiday with him? I didn't, know. I, I went in once and he was in there. I never actually booked a holiday with him. Was that Carl Shutt? Carl Shutt, yeah. Yeah. So I got Carl Shutt, didn't get Cantona. <laughs> I mean... Brilliant. Fucking says it all, really. But yeah, I, I got everyone else apart from that. Even even like Chris White and Paul Fairclough. I could... Uh, I can't remember. I remember those so, fairly well as well. So, so when yeah. I did do it again it? properly, and I, I tried not to look through them, they were the first two Leeds players I got. I don't know why, but I can always remember them two as as well, sort of a, Yeah, proper centre half partnership. Yeah. I, I, I think the other thing I thought about when I went through, and again, if you watch back, there's some videos online of the match that day, and you look at that Leeds side, and you've got players, you know, strong players, physically strong players, McAllister. You know, Chapman was a you know a target man striker. You've got Gary Speed, um, Cantona, good good big centre halves. Watch how often they hit the deck. It is like watching a game today. The refs blowing. Fair enough, we were we were we were going in a little bit tasty at times, but the slightest touch they're hitting the deck. So their first goal comes from a nothing free kick. 
yeah. masters of the dark arts that side, and I think it all came from Strachan. Yeah, I, I, I never forgave him for when he sat on the advertisement hoardings. Oh, fuck, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, exactly, I'm with you. I'm with yeah. you. Every time he's every time he's lost a job since then, that's that, that's come to that's come to my mind. And I've laughed. <laughs> I'm I, glad it's not just me. Um, to quickly interject, Liverpool are currently playing Lincoln, and Rian Brewster isn't in the uh, squad. But a lot of fringe players are. Interesting. Interesting. Is so yeah. Let's hope he's not meeting Roy somewhere for a game of Warhammer. Warhammer. <laughs> Saying Warhammer, um, boy. Or he might be. Um, he might be having a beer with Wilder. Let's start the room on Twitter. I've just seen Rian Brewster in Nando's with Wilder. <laughs> just going on then. So Dan scored very well. Phil less so, but better on a second attempt. And John did very well given his, his age. I just we put it out on Twitter earlier, and we'll we'll not go through too many more of the players. We've mentioned a few there, which might help some of you along. But um, just looking at him, Max Hill, the real Max Hill on Twitter. He missed one blade so We got all the others. Uh, Paul Bramall, who's a quiz master on uh, on Picard's coach to us, he said the most worrying thing is I missed two from each team. Um, I'm putting that down to a program I watched on Leeds winning the league a month or so ago. Decent effort, though, to say I was seven at the time. Um, Dead Bat uh, contributed to the Tufty Club and past contributed to uh, uh, Blades Pod. Said he got 100%, although my typo in the answers nearly foxed him, but I don't know how he managed to get that through. Then he must have tried spelling it different ways. So uh, we'll have a look at that. And Alistair Graham, AM Graham, uh, 1982 on Twitter says, we got all apart from Gary McAllister which is pretty shocking for someone who goes to Scotland games as well as United games. So, um, oh, what? He goes to bloody hell. That's not a way to live your life. Right. Oh, we've yes. got international play off up to Hamden to watch McBurney up front on his own. Ooh. Yeah, McBurney, Burke and Fleck now. We're all going to have to start uh, supporting Scotland, aren't we? Maybe not. Oh, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave that to my wife. <laughs> So yeah, so there's the quiz. Good to have a go. Get out there, have a go. Tweet us uh, with your results. Send us a picture of your screenshot and uh, have some fun doing it. And uh, going back, it's well worth having a look at highlights of that game, but also that season, that era of Blades, as John said, we talk about them fondly. The three of us who are old enough to remember and uh, yeah, good times. So let's finish on a another Sporkle quiz coming soon as well. Um, I think put friend of the pod, Paul McDonald, to put another one together just before we started recording. Or have you had a chance to look at it yet? Yeah, we'll get oh, that tweeted we'll, out as well. We'll look at that. Well, at least that's a slightly cheerier ending than uh, we, we finished on a slightly higher note than we started on tonight, then didn't we? Yeah, and I think it's important to say, and I think we all would echo this, that although we might sound down on football, we absolutely love United. And when we lose, just like Wilder, we get really mardy about it. And to touch on what I said at the beginning, no matter what happens on Sunday, let's just be a bit nicer to each other about it because we all want the same thing. We want three points on the table. Bielsa knocks that on the bucket. And ideally, Patrick Bamford having a really bad game. That would make me very happy indeed. I'm looking forward to the match, if a little bit nervous. The quiz was great. Looking forward to more quizzes. And hopefully, when we get together next week, it's going to be a very much more cheery affair. So we've got three points on the board. I drink to that. Yeah, indeed. Cheers, everyone, and up the blades. Up the blades. If you go to a
started, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not put the boat on. I've changed to Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me Murray, right. Well, I'd say Peroni as well. <laughs>